In Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that God creates people. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So he tells us that God, from the very beginning, wanted to create people that were like him in the image and likeness of God, men and women. I'm glad it says that. Because uh, when it uses men, a lot of times in the Old Testament, uh, it's a generic word, uh, mankind. Well, it's more than men, otherwise there wouldn't be any. Um, so mankind is politically correct as humankind, I guess. So that's what he did. He created humankind in his image, male and female. And then it says that he blessed them. Sometimes we have this strange idea about what it means to be blessed by God. We think that it's, God is concerned about our comfort zones. We think that um, uh, it's so... Y'all remember, some of y'all are old enough, you'll remember, y'all remember warm fuzzies? Y'all remember them? This, I'm going way back. Uh, th they had a thing called warm fuzzies. And um, I think it was sheepskin. It still had the wool on it. It was just a, a small rectangular thing. came in different assorted colors. And you'd buy this thing, and it would lay there, and if you patted it, it would arch its back like it was alive, like a cat. They called them warm fuzzies. So whenever you felt alone, you could take this thing and, you know, and it would arch its back and you'd feel comforted. And they called them warm fuzzies. And they, people actually sold them. And what's even more astounding is people bought them. <laughs> <laughs> warm fuzzies. So to give you a good feeling or assurance or comfort or whatever, you could pat this little thing, warm fuzzies. Sometimes in the church, we think that the blessings of God are warm fuzzies but they aren't. The blessings of God are solid, down-to-earth, powerful imparting of His presence and grace. Um, we use words in funny ways nowadays, you know. We take perfectly, incredibly powerful, strong words and we take away all the power and we just use them um, as if they're nothing words. So somebody sneezes and we say, God bless you, or, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And we throw these words around, I'm not understanding. Um, so when God fill, fills, um, creates man and woman, he blesses them. And normally, oftentimes, uh, when God gives a blessing, there's a commission, there's a task, and there's a presence. And... When we think about God's blessings, we need to think about that. There's a... Because you read in there and you read the blessings that God gives and you read it sometimes and you look at that and say, that's a blessing? So, God blessed them. And He gave them... The blessing was a task. That was the blessing. Sometimes we get the idea and our society increasingly is making it this way that work is a curse. And you say, well, you know, they were cursed in the garden and they were commanded to do all that. But there was work 
before sin entered into the world. Be fruitful, multiply, rule over the earth, subdue the rest of the earth, take charge, work. And it was a positive thing. That was the blessing. So your job should be a blessing to you, not something that you have to do. Um, it shouldn't be a drudgery to you. The drudgery comes because of sin. So the job, the work, that's the blessing. And it's not a blessing just because it's going to provide us um, with the money we need to do what we want. That's not it. There's something about work that should be fulfilling and in lifting and doing something within us and giving us an opportunity to express our, who we are in the Lord, whatever the job is. And doesn't make it, the job is not the important thing. It's how we do it and how we, what we do as we bring to the job, that's the important thing. So that was the blessing. And this was repeated. After the flood, when God wiped out most of the living things on the earth, he reiterated this blessing to fill the earth, to subdue it, take charge. So what happens in the New Testament with a new creation? Because when Jesus died on the cross, he did so to inaugurate a new creation. All things have become new. It's a new kingdom that he's going to, to uh, put into place here. So Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. And these are familiar passages to us, but it's a recreation that he's taken, that's taken place individually. So he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled in us to himself through Christ and gave us, here's the blessing for you and me as Christians, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us, you and me, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in the beginning, when God created, he created Adam and Eve, and he put them on the earth, and he said, you are to be my representatives here. You are to rule over the earth in my name, on my behalf. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. That was the blessing. And what that blessing was, was they were to be the witness. God's witness in Genesis chapter 1. That's why he created people and put them in the earth. To fill the earth with other people, but to be the representative of God for all other living things. That hasn't changed. So in Christ, he says, now we're a new creation, but the task, the blessing is the same. We are to be Christ's ambassadors. God is going to make his appeal to the rest of the world through you and through me. That's the blessing. As men and women recreated in the image of Christ, this is the task that he has for us. It's not a drudgery. It's not something that we have to do in the sense that we're compelled in that sense. 
It's the blessing. That's what fulfills. That's what lifts us. That's what encourages us. That's why we're here. To be the witness. And so this brings us to the passage that David was sharing with the children this morning. In between the creation and the new creation, we've got Matthew chapter 28. This recreation, because people had sinned and fallen, they needed to be recreated into the image of God, uh, recreated into Christ's image, uh, because we brought things into our lives that destroy us, that destroy other people, that take away the blessings and replaces it with a curse. And we are not a cursed people in Christ. In Christ, as Paul tells us, the curse has been dealt with. And so we don't need to live like people who are under a curse. Some people live their whole life that way. When they get up, everything's bad. It's a bad day. I feel bad. It's a bad day. The weather's bad. Job's bad. <laughs> Traffic's bad. Everything's bad. <laughs> and they go through their whole life that way. Soured, bitter, resentful. And they, you know, you think about your life. What is your life? So it's that kind of a thing that's going on. God didn't create us for that. He did not create us for that. That's the curse. But in Christ, the curse has been dealt with. And we are new creatures. We're not slaves to the old habits. We're not slaves to the old ways of doing things. Um, we are people who have been set free. So after the resurrection... Jesus rose from the dead and people saw him. He talked with them. He came and visited with them. Um, and it wasn't some spirit. It was a living body that you could touch, you could look at, you could touch. He was there. He was real. Not an illusion, not some phantom, not some hallucination. Uh, you ever try to touch a dream? can't do it Jesus was real so he was with them for a short while and then he was going to ascend into heaven to take his rightful place as king of kings and lord of lords that's where he's at now but he didn't leave us alone and so what he's going to do in the great commission that David read and shared with the children um, he's letting us know that we can be a part of what he's doing. So the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain that Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love the honesty of the scripture. Oh, wait a minute. Now, here's Jesus. He's right there. They can come up and touch him. Uh, he's risen from the dead. What's there to doubt? But they're honest. And, you know, today, uh, especially in the church, we hide our doubts, we hide our fears, we hide our disturbances and the things that burden us because Christian people aren't supposed to have any of those things. Well, if you don't have any of those things, that must mean you're dead because it's part of living in a sinful world. You're going to have those. Uh, what makes the Christian separate from the other people is that we admit them we come before the Lord, we 
admit them to him and to ourselves and the people around us and we pray for one another and we encourage one another, lift each other up as much as we can. And we come to the Lord with these things and the Lord works within us and changes us from within. And he meets those needs within our heart. And so Jesus comes and, you know, we think a lot of times um, what he is doing here. And back in Genesis, he created people. They sinned and they sinned greatly. And so God comes with the flood and wipes them all out and he gives them a chance to start over. But human nature hasn't changed. Everything outwardly had changed. Everything. It wasn't like it was before the flood. Things were different. People were different. Their relationship with animals and nature was different. Everything was different. It was a new start. Fresh opportunity. They blew it again, as we know. So God says, I want you to scatter out over the earth. Um, and it's always... God is the one who is always sending people out. It's us with our fears and insecurities that always want to hide and cling to and hang on to. God doesn't cling or hang on to anything. It's freely given. Freely given. Freely given. He's not grasping and clutching and possessing. He's freely giving everything, including himself. So, God chose a man. His name was Abram. And this sounds very New Testament, doesn't it? What did we just read that Paul writing to the Corinthians? If any person's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is past. Everything has become new. What's new? Everything. And so the Lord says to Abram, this is Genesis chapter 12, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go. That sounds very New Testament, doesn't it? Go to the land I'm going to lead you to. Abram doesn't know where it is. God does. So if Abraham's ever going to get there, he's going to have to walk in obedience to the Lord. If he doesn't, he's going to end up somewhere else. So if it's the place God wants him to be, then he needs to follow and be obedient to God. That means he's hearing and he's obeying. New creation, new country, new people, new fa fathers, new household, new land, and... I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. He's going to give him a new name, which he eventually does, doesn't he? So this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the preview, Genesis chapter 12. And God says to him, I'm going to bless you. You've got to leave everything. That's part of the blessing. Do you ever look around at all the stuff and you think, man, what a burden. I got to keep this stuff and repaired. I got to fix it. I got to clean it. I got to watch over it. I got to pay taxes on it. <laughs> what a burden. And the less you have, the more free you are. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, a person's wealth is not how much they have, but how much they can do without. That's their real wealth. Because they're free. 
So God tells Abram, here's the blessing. You're going to leave everything, and I'm going to do a new thing through you. And the results are going to be incredible, astounding, unbelievable. And so look at it. Abraham, the man of faith, right? And so we have three religions, three major world religions today, Jewish, Islamic, and Christian. All, all trace their roots back to this one man. Because God blessed him. It wasn't easy. It was hard. It took a lifetime. God was blessing him and using him. And here's the goal. I will make you to be a blessing. So it's not all about receiving. We think blessing is something that we receive. It's not. You will be a blessing. And so the question is, as Christian people today, are we a blessing? Are we a blessing in our home? Are we a blessing in our family with the other people? Would um, your husband or wife look at you and say, you're a blessing? Would your son or daughter look to you and say, you're a blessing? Would your parents look to you as children and say, you're a blessing? Would your brothers and sisters say, you're a blessing to me? That's what we're called to be, to be a blessing. Would your employer look to you and say, you're a blessing? As an employee, would you look to your boss and say, you're a blessing? We are supposed to be a blessing. If you are a blessing, that, that means you're a blessing everywhere you go. If you are a blessing, that means you are blessing whatever you're doing. If you are a blessing, everybody is blessed because of you. And that's what we're called to. I'm going to bless you so that you in turn can be the blessing. We think blessing has to do with things. It does not. It has to do with people. And when God says, I will bless you, it means he is with us. Because we can't be a blessing by ourselves. The only way we can be a blessing of any kind to anybody in any way is if He is in us. And so when we, we say we're a blessed people, it means we are a people of God. It has nothing to do with possessions or health or any of these other things. It has to do with relationship. You will be a blessing, and what's more, through you, all people on earth will be blessed through you. That's an act of God. Well, here I am in Uvalde, Texas. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares who I am. You will be a blessing and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I don't know how that works. But it does. We have an example. His name's Abraham. He is one example. He's not the only man blessed in the Bible, is he? So God says, I will be with you. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I will make your name great. I will be with you. I will watch over you. I will bless you. It means God's with him. That's what it means. God is watching over him. His blessing is with him. And so here we are, back to Matthew 28. 
Jesus looks at this group of people, some with still questions. Um, and you don't have to have all the answers to be a follower of Christ. Otherwise, you wouldn't have any followers at all. Because we all have questions. He never promised to answer all of our questions. Um, but we need to be real careful because questions are dangerous things. If we ask a question, we may get the answer. And we can ask all the hard questions of God we want, but we need to be willing to receive the hard answer in return. So Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me tonight. So the disciples started asking the hard question, Lord, is it me? Most of them, the answer was no. No, you're not going to betray me. You're going to deny me. I don't know if that's any less worse. Uh, but for one of them, that was true. The only one in the room who knew who that was, there's only two people who knew in that room who knew who the betrayer was. Jesus was one. Judas Iscariot was the other. The other men in that room at that point in time did not know that it was Judas. And when Judas got up to leave, they thought he was going to go buy some, you know, we're running low on, on uh, whatever it was they were eating there. <laughs> maybe it was the lamb, uh, maybe it was the bitter herbs, or uh, they thought he was going to go get something to, to add to the feast. That's what they thought. Judas knew. And Jesus knew. We usually know what's in our heart. God always knows what's in our heart. So Jesus comes and he says to this group of people there, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's just risen from the dead. And through his resurrection, he has provided forgiveness of sins to you and to me. That's what salvation means. At the bottom line, at the end of the day, salvation means your sins have been forgiven. That deals with shame, that deals with guilt, that deals with fear, that deals with all the other issues. Because all of those other issues come in as a result of sin. You deal with the sin problem, that's the root, and it will deal with the fruit from there on out. And that's what happens. So Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations. It's the fulfillment of what he promised Abraham. All nations are going to be blessed through you. How does that happen? Through you? Through me? That's how it happens. God is going to bless all nations because Abraham became what God recreated him to be, a man of faith. And as we are becoming new creations in Christ Jesus, he's creating us to be people of faith. And the result is, take the word to everybody. There aren't any exceptions. None. No exceptions. All the people on the earth will be blessed. Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, it doesn't make any difference. God is going to use us to reach those people. All nations will be blessed through us. And 
<clears throat> when God hears prayer, He comes down and gives a blessing. So, uh, people of Israel are crying out to God. Moses is crying out to God. God comes down and He says, Moses, I've heard the cry, desperate plea of my people in captivity, and I've come to answer those prayers. So, you've got to go talk to Pharaoh. <laughs> So Gideon's out there and, and, and the angel of the Lord comes and he says, the Lord is with you. And Gideon says, if the Lord is with us, why are we so oppressed? Why are we defeated and oppressed and being abused here as a people? Why? And he says, well, God's heard those prayers and he's going to answer. So you got to get up and lead the army. And, and Gideon's looking around and he says, wait a minute. But that's how God chooses to do things. He's going to bless the earth. He creates people, Adam and Eve. He's going to start a new creation. So he chooses Noah and his family, his sons and his daughters. He's going to start over again and create a new nation, a people of God. And he starts with Abram and Sarah. He always chooses to work through people because he's created us in his image. And then he's going to work through us to be the witnesses to who God is. And that's what he's doing here. So, Adam, go into the garden. Take charge. Noah, here's the rest of the world. Go for it. Abram, you've got to walk with me and follow me. I'll take care of the results. Gideon, pick up the trumpet and blow it. Gather the guys and get ready. I'm with you. These disciples, they felt insecure and unready. He said, that's the best people. That's the best ones. I have all authority, Jesus says, therefore you go. We don't go on our own. We don't go in our own name or in our own authority. We're finished if we do. You go because Christ has all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, you go make disciples of all nations. And if we are in Christ, 197 times in the New Testament, in Christ, that's telling us that's the basis of everything that we do. So in Christ means that Christ is within us. And he says you're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're to teach them to obey everything I've commanded. That's the blessing that we're imparting to people. And surely, as David pointed out a minute ago, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So go. Uh, but you're not going by yourself. I'm with you. Make disciples. Not your responsibility. Jesus says, it's mine. Then what did he do? First thing when he started his public ministry, he goes around and he picks people to be with him and to be sent out by him. And so he's picked us to be with him and to be sent out by him. To be his witness. This is why Jesus is going to tell them, uh, before you go, you need to wait till the promise of the Father comes. Because you're not ready yet. Because if we go out on our own, then we can do mighty work, work, great works and make big names and earn lots of money. And it's all for nothing. All for nothing. You need to go until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when he's in your life, he empowers, he enables, he fulfills, he forms the life of Christ. 
And then Jesus does what he always does. Makes disciples, blesses people, calls people to transformation in their life. It's him in you doing what he's always done. Giving us the opportunity to be Christ's ambassadors. All authority, Jesus says, is given to me and I am with you. And because the authority is God's and the presence is Christ's, you can do whatever God asks you to do because he's with you and you have his authority and his blessing. And so the thing about God's blessings is they're always results. His blessings are not worthless, valueless things. There's a task, there's a commission, there's a job and the blessing is his presence to enable, to encourage, to pick you up when you fall, to point you in the right direction, uh, to forgive your sins. But it's not just because you're good people. It's because he loves you. He's transforming you. And as you're talking to other people, he's changing us. He's changing us at the same time that he's changing them. So these men and women that were called by God to do great things, Old and New Testaments both, there's a, it's an, a, an amazing thing. He used these people to turn the world upside down. That was possible because, first of all, they themselves had been turned upside down. And in the process of ministering to other people, they were being transformed themselves. And it was an ongoing process. Um, you know, you can sit over here by yourself and you think, man, I'm pretty good. I'm doing pretty good here by myself. But I get over here by Tabo, all of a sudden, hmm, that's not so good. <laughs> you know, uh, we have a clash or something, then I'm upset with him and he's upset with me and we're upset with each other and all of a sudden, uh, what I thought was said, done, deal over here, all of a sudden I find out, hmm, there's more things that need to be worked on in me. And I was blind to him. And I needed my brother and the interaction we have to point out not only what I think he needs and what he thinks I need, but what both of us need together. Uh, so it's not about him or about me. It's about us. And that's what the body of Christ is about. We're not here to point fingers or cast blame. We're here to pick one another up, to um, confront and challenge if it's needed, uh, to bring healing and hope and a future where that's needed. We don't condone sin in any form, shape, or fashion. Jesus never did either. But he says, you don't have to live that way. If you live that way, it's because you want to. Because you choose to. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus died so that it doesn't have to be that way. So the Lord says, I'm here with you. Um, all nations in Christ and um, he's given us the opportunity to participate in what he's doing. It's the same thing he's done since the creation of the world. Uh, he's going to bless us. The blessing involves changing us and changing other people. The blessing involves the commission and the task that's before us. Um, and situations, circumstances, all of that may change and it's differ for, different for every one of us. The challenges are different for every one of us. Because it's a great big world, and it's going to take all of us to change the big world. But it begins within our heart, right here. 
And so that's what he's challenged them. It was a, a ministry to the group. All of you go. But in order for that to happen, each individual had to hear and answer and receive and then go. And that's what makes the church the body of Christ. And we need each other. And um, that's what he's called us to. The promise, all authority is mine. And the authority is for ministry, uh, for blessing others. And in the process, you are blessed. And in the process of all of that, all of us are changed. And we become the witness that God creates us to be. So next week, we'll talk about how that works. And what Jesus did in order to make it happen. And what he continues to do to make it happen in your life and mine on a daily basis. And so it's exciting things that God does. And he's been doing it and he continues to do it. He's doing it every day. And he's looking for people, um, not with people with all the answers, but he's looking for people that have open hearts who will respond and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the call that gives life. Gives life because the call brings with it a presence, your presence, an enablement, a blessing of knowing you and walking with you and seeing you at work within our own lives and in the lives of those around us, transforming one person at a time. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to call us here this morning. And the call brings the blessing. The call in itself is a blessing because who would have chosen someone like me? But in your grace and in your mercy and in your love, you've chosen each one of us. And for that, Lord, we will be eternally grateful. And we give you thanks in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.